It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Jim Eberlin, founder and CEO of Top Ops. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. Pleasure to have you. So rather than having me do sort of the standard intro off a press release or something, why don't you take a minute, introduce yourself, tell the audience what you do and, and who you do it for. Well, thank you. So, so sure. Uh, my name is Jim Eberlin. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Top Ops. Actually, I have a co-founder too, uh, Ted Stan. He's my, my partner. And uh, what we do at Top Ops is that we help sales teams focus on the very best leads and opportunities so that they're not spreading their time over everyone. And, and as a result, they're going to close more. Um, so we do this by giving them much more visibility in their pipeline. And, um, and by having all this, they're much more accurate on their forecasts. So not only are they winning more deals, but they're uh, able to be much more confident in the forecast and more predictable. So uh, that's what I do now. I'm the CEO of Top Ops. And then uh, prior to Top Ops, I founded two other companies. One is uh, Gainsight. So Gainsight is a leader in uh, customer success solutions. And um, another company called Host Analytics, which is uh, a leader in the market category of finance in the cloud. So that's a little bit about my background. Um, so again, uh, uh, thanks for having me here today. So how did you end up sort of focusing on sales with Top Ops. I mean, you went from finance to sort of a real customer-oriented uh, product with Gainsight, you know, looking at customer success, to now Top Ops, which is focused on pipeline management. That's a great question, and I'd say there's a number of reasons, but uh, the first and foremost is, uh, you know, between the two companies, we raised over $150 million of venture capital from some very top-tier firms that demand uh, results. And so that was a big ordeal facing the board uh, every month as we uh, report the results of the quarter. So it was uh, uh, something that I was able to uh, uh, experience and experience the pain of having to scrutinize the forecast and all the work that went into it. And, uh, and so really that's, that's the primary reason I started this company. So the experience of having to stand in front of a venture board <laughs> every, every month and talk about how you've made progress, really starting from nothing to gaining traction in the market, really yeah, was that it, formative experience. It, absolutely. And so, uh, so it's very important to hit your number, right? And so, uh, um, so I had to, uh, stand uh, in front of the board. Um, you know, there was uh, other CEOs for those companies that had to stand in front of the board as well and present the results, how they're progressing towards the forecasted number and then the supporting uh, uh, pipeline to meet the number. So was it easier to be the CEO or the VP of sales standing up and giving the presentation or being on the board watching the presentation? Obviously, <laughs> being a board member watching was much easier, you know, and I, I had both, I experienced both. So, uh, um, so yeah, so that was, it was a little easier watching, but, um, um, but yeah, so those guys, I, I got to, I got to hand it to them. They're, uh, uh, you know, a lot of work and that's, that's where most of the focus is, um, especially on the stages that, that I was uh, 
there with those companies. Right. So for early stage companies, I mean, stepping back before we talk about top ops, for early years, you're successful serial entrepreneurs. You said you've raised a ton of, of venture money. So, I mean, if you had to say, gosh, what are the two things that an, an entrepreneur or even a CEO of a small midsize enterprise that you know knows they need to become more entrepreneurial to sort of kickstart their sales, you know, what are the things they should really focus on in order to accelerate that time to revenue? Well, there's, it's all a staged process. So, um, so in the early days, you don't really want anything between you and uh, the customers because you got to, as a CEO, you really have to understand it. So, in that first million or two of ARR, um, it, you know, in, in your first five reps, you, you want to stay very close to what's happening. Um, after that, you're getting into more of a repeatable process, and that's where you'll bring in a, a VP of sales. And um, let's let's pause for a second because I think that's a great point. Is one mistake I see that companies make, startups make too too early, and so on. Is they bring on a VP of sales too soon? Oh, absolutely. You'll you not only do you burn a lot of cash, which is something I hate to do, but but um, you really you, you don't want someone in between what's going on. It's important for the really the the entire management team to stay focused on that. And and what a VP of sales does is it once you start getting traction as to what the model is going to really look like mm -hmm. that person then can scale it. And usually that person, there's like a, uh, you know, a, a, a one to one to 10 or one to $20 million guy and, or, or woman, or there's a, a, a 20 or 50 million and above. So there's different stages of that, uh, uh person as well, you know, cause eventually mm -hmm. you get to the, the spreadsheet person, who is uh, just really optimizing and tweaking things, but uh, but you have that in the very initial beginning stages. You have that more pioneer type of VP of sales that's still kind of taking what the CEO has learned and then um, uh, you know making progress and scaling that. Yeah, I really think that's a key point for people that are listening to the show is that you need to really understand what it is you're selling first before you knew, knew before you know who it is you're supposed to hire into that VP of sales role. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for the CEO, as you said, to stay involved, to really understand what it is you are selling, who is the customer, how they are using the product, and then you can help find a better person. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, little, a story I saw in an article, I think it was in the Harvard Business Review that somebody had written about uh, sort of an apocryphal tale about a university that hired a landscape architect to come in and design a park and uh, open space on their campus. And when they came to do the unveiling after they'd moved all this earth around and all this planting, the, he shows off the green space to university administrators and they say, well, it's beautiful, but where are the sidewalks? And they said, well, we're going to wait for a year and see where the people walk. Then we're going to put the sidewalks there. And that's sort of the same thing with, with hiring that VP of sales to see where your customers are, where they're going, what they need. Hire somebody that fits that need. Yeah, and it's good for the VP of sales too, because once you start figuring out the right role and and get the um, um, you know marketing engine going and and those kind of things, they're they have a m lot more traction and and um, you know much more a better chance of their own success. So because um, they they got a tough job and and so they certainly don't want to come in. They shouldn't want to come in too early. Um, you know, it's good to have a few things figured out. And and then but then it's go time. You got one speed, and it's go after that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, talk again. Now let's go back to top ops a little bit. Is is 
what were the opportunities you saw specifically that weren't being addressed in the sales and sort of the pipeline management and the forecast accuracy, which I know we could talk about forever. Uh, but what were the specific things you saw, opportunities you saw in that space that said, okay, we can create a solution for this? Yeah, so there was a lot of uh, focus on the leads and, and you know, t- talking to marketing about getting the right kinds of leads. So there was, there was good solutions for that, a lot of, you know, a lot of base marketing automation stuff. There's, there's some good uh, lead scoring products that are out there. But um, really something that, you know, from taking, you do got to work the best leads, but then you got to understand which of these leads and what's the timing to promote them to an opportunity. And, and that's a, a pretty complex process to watch and, and make sure that you're not promoting something too early. And, um, and then once you promote it, it, following it along and making sure that it's, you know, number one, the ideal customer profile that you should be focused on, you mm-hmm. know, the size, the right role that you're working with, um, you, you know, and, and those kinds of things. Um, you got to watch the progress of it and make sure that it's got some rigor to the process that, you, you know, you're, that you know the next steps and that it's, uh, it's you know, nothing slowing it up, that it, it's uh, moving along at the right velocity. So, so those are the kind of things that is just a manual effort and it's really all done by the manager or the VP and they're just spending a lot of time that I now think is non-value added time just asking a lot of questions over and over every week and um, and it would be great to get a good head start on that to know okay these are the one the best ones and these are the most important ones, and uh, and then have some algorithms and automation that that tell you these are the ones that are most likely to make it and these are the ones that that are at risk that you need to make an impact in time. So um, so yeah so I think it's it could help with saving a lot of time for managers so that they would have more time to coach and sell alongside the reps and not, you know, all the time that they're spending just trying to stay on top of and get a good handle of the pipeline. Right. So is that input of that data? I mean, you're built on top of salesforce.com, as I understand. Um, we plug into salesforce.com. Right. We plug into some other uh, CRMs. As okay. Well. All right. So, so... Do you help automate the process of inputting, you know, the the account record, you know, that what happened during the call with the customer and so on? Do you help automate that process? Well, we do, Andy. Um, you know, we uh, what we do is we take what you have. We we take a. It's it's like Top Ops understands. It gets a good understanding of your culture because you're going to have the cowboy reps that aren't going to input anything. Mm-hmm. And so they're, and they're just going to make their number, right? They're just, that's why they're cowboys. They, it's, they do that. And they're, uh, and you know, they're going to have very limited interaction with the CRM. Then you've got your, your B players that are the conformist. They'll, um, you know, they're, they're pretty good about, you know, hitting close to their number. Um, but they're also good about, uh, updating things. And by the way, you have a players too there, but I'm just trying to, you know, make the discussion a little. Sure. Quick. Sure. And, uh, so, so obviously a, there are, it's great to have an a player that updates the CRM. That's a wonderful situation when you get that. But, um, and then you have your C players who are, you know, kind of crossing their fingers, but, but they'll update, um, uh, as well. Uh, but then they, 
you know, and then along the, inside of there, you've got the ha- the happy ears uh, sales reps, and then you have the sandbaggers. So, um, so what we do is we uh, identify all of these players in the um, on the sales team, and uh, and we work with what we can get. So, uh, so we'll take in input off of. Uh, uh, you know, on your calendar, off of your emails, off of that kind of thing. But, it, you know, we'll, we'll be able to uh, look at different interactions that everybody does. But then um, we, we do help provide a culture where we do simplify the input. So it is much easier with the top ops. We've recognized that if we could just give a sales rep the ability to do a thumb click and speak in a note, that we can get a lot of information just off of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we the, the the bottom line is that we deal with the culture, knowing that you're going to have some that don't hardly do any inputs, some some that do a lot, and um, and then we take what we get and provide the best possible forecast and um, uh, information on what's going on in the pipeline as a result. So, how do you then once you've you've got that sort of raw input? So what are the steps your system's taking then to provide some sort of you know intelligent view of where this prospect stands in the process and what the next step should be and really sort of ultimately in the you know probability of closing? Oh, that's, that's a great question. So we, uh, we apply four different forecast methods and then we do the best fit. So what we'll do is we run uh, the pipeline through... Um, uh, each of these, which are there is a, a, a there's a top ops uh, prediction, um, there's a coverage prediction, there's a rep uh, history per, performance history prediction, and so uh, the most ideal situation is when all four end up with a number that's close. That is awesome, but if you can get like three of them, you can you know that that's a good indicator that that's what the number is going to be, and. Um, uh, and then we, you know, there might, for one reason or another, one of the one of the methods is not the appropriate one to use. But but we'll uh, we'll go in and use the best fit, and then show you the results of all four methods. Hmm. So the rep prediction is that based on their their history of their forecast or the history of their closing? That's what it's uh, it's actually on both of those where we we will look at um, their rep commits what we call them rep commits, what they commit to the forecast. Mm-hmm. So we'll look at that and then we'll compare it to what they actually close. Oh, very cool. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, that's really, when you think about it, I mean, and you actually, you read anything about how people do polling data is that, uh, you know, the only way polling becomes more accurate or if surveys become more accurate is if you continually see how accurate they were before and then try to take steps to improve on that. So. Factor yeah. looking at that factor is, is really, really yeah. pretty good. And, and then the final thing though is that we have a uh, we have a like a data quality indicator, and um, so not only do we tell you what is not right, what doesn't look right, uh, like some simple things like this is a past due close date, and this this one there's no way that could close in that amount of time. So we look at those kind of things, but so not only do we tell the sales team that this exists and what accounts it exists in, but we take them right to it so they can quickly fix it. So, uh, cause that, cause that's another problem is that you can tell somebody, but then they got to log in and navigate right. it and all that. So it never gets done. So we, we've, uh, done some things there 
So these are, again, are all things that I've experienced in, you know, my uh, past few companies. And, you know, just pulling a list based on running some reports and then sending it to the rep saying, hey, fix all these things. You know, that, that just, that was a tough thing to do. Yeah, and then manually massaging the forecast. And I want to talk more about that after the break. Uh, yeah. Because I think you're on to something with the, with the forecasting. So uh, stay with us after the break. We're return with our chat with Jim Eberlin, founder and CEO of TopOps. As you've been hearing, TopOps market system designed to help improve your sales pipeline and forecast predictability. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales rep's calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So welcome back. My guest today, Jim Eberlin, founder and CEO of TopOps. Make sure to check out TopOps online at topops, that's T-O-P-O-P-P-S dot com. So I want to pose a hypothetical scenario for you. I ask this question of every single one of my guests, so it's... Uh, a sales scenario, always interested to hear what people think about this. So assume for a second that you are a new manager being brought into a, an existing company that sales is sort of stalled out, sort of stagnated. And as you said, there's only one speed. That's fast, fast, fast. And so the board and the CEO want you to come in, have high expectations of doing things quickly. So what were the two things you would do in the first week that could have the biggest impact? So... What I would do is uh, first look at uh, um, the performance history of my current sales reps, see where they may need coaching. And um, you know that, that, so that's the primary thing. And then the second is um, um, I would really look at the uh, the the lead process. Uh, and the metrics related to MQLs that convert to SQLs that convert to opportunities. So marketing qualified leads to sales qualified leads to opportunities. Yeah. So I, I would look at the metrics that you need to look at um, that that drive the pipeline and drive the deals. So uh, I mean, there's a, I, I mean, there's. A, there's more than two things that I would do is the answer. <laughs> you only get two, though. That's, that's, yeah, so, uh, it's my show. You get two. <laughs> so there's some, some things that would follow that um, r- related to looking at, you know, the, uh, um, again, the, 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 the customers and the profiles that we're going through and which ones have the best, uh, you know, rank stack ranking them as to which, which are the best deals to go after based on cycle times and things like that. So, so I'm sorry I violated the rule. <laughs> that's that's perfectly but, fine. Uh, hopefully you'll maybe you'll invite me back anyway. So. Oh, we will. We'll for sure have you back. So, what what do you see as sort of the biggest single challenge for salespeople today? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, uh, let's see, the biggest single challenge. I think um, there is this uh, new way of selling. Um, and it's, it's meeting that it's, um, you know, the, the biggest challenge is 
Um, you know, Exit is a better one. I, the more I think about that, there's, I, I think the biggest challenge and the most, if you were to ask me the most important thing that a rep has to do, and that is a very intelligent discovery call. And I think that's what every rep should focus on. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of no decisions that exist out there because of the discovery call. Mm -hmm. I think lose deals a lot because of the discovery call. If there's one place I would say, hey, I want you to focus most of your time, it is on the discovery call. I'll, I'll work out the rest of the, you know, the things for you. But on a discovery call, it is just so important to be able to ask intelligent questions, but also to teach, and uh, you know, teach while you're asking. If, if, if oh yeah, absolutely. Sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should. I mean, ideally, in a discovery call, through the end, at the end of all your questions, the customer should have a much better idea of exactly what you do. Yeah, and, and nowadays you have much less time. In the old days, you could schedule out this great big uh, discovery call. Now you've got. Uh, customers that know a lot about your software before they're, you know, or or you're a, you're a, a brand new market category, and you know you've only got so much time to keep their interest to get really you know gain their mind share. Right. So, what's the key then to helping the rep become more proficient at the discovery call? Is it just a matter of training? Absolutely. There's a lot of training that goes into it, and it's not just hiring the you know the super cowboy rep. Um, you, you have to, they have to have a lot of knowledge about the customer. As we all know, we say this over and over, it's gotta be about the customer, but we gotta know what it is that will get their interest. If they're like, if you're catching them brand new to, to what you're offering, or if you're in a competitive situation, um, you know, it's, it's just absolutely important to be trained on where your customer's going to go and what your value strength is and how it relates to them. So it's, you just have to be super scientific about it. And then uh, everything that you present on has to be based on, you know, a very intelligent discovery call where you are actually able to teach uh, the, the prospects some things. Now, is this put more of a pressure on making sure you hire people who have some sort of prior experience and expertise in the market that you're serving? It's a it's a conundrum because there you know there's uh, you could spend a lot of money to hire someone but you still got to focus a lot of uh, attention on that we're we're manufacturing our own sales reps here I mean we have a combination of seasoned people but we we have some really great people that got promoted up from our sales development group after spending a lot of time there um, you know we do a lot of training of these people on uh, you know on our folks so that they can. You know, they've got the right statistics. They know their numbers um, as they're presenting, you know, because they have to prove to our customers that they're going to win more deals, that they're going to actually increase by 25 to 30 percent the number of deals that they close by using their, our software. So they so you can't just hire that in from the outside. So we do a combination of both. You know, we've got some very smart folks that come up through our own development and then we've got some enterprise uh, reps that I've you know worked with for uh, some time and you know that have come from other good sources. So um, so yeah, so that's you know it's it, there isn't one way to do that in my opinion. 
Yeah, and also looking at your you know customer success or customer support teams is another great place to find people that you can migrate up into the sales path. I've I've you know made a career out of hiring technically based people to sell products because you know what the customers want first and foremost is you know help me understand what I need first, right? And you don't necessarily need to be a traditional salesperson in that sense to succeed if you put the customer first. Absolutely, and. Um... Um, you, you know, so I think that's, um, uh, yeah, I think customer, you know, if, if a customer success person or, or someone with a lot of domain knowledge can, um, you know, make, make the, or maybe they had some experience in the past with sales, that's, uh, you know, that would be helpful. So yeah, that would be an ideal situation to have, but there's obviously unique skills, as you know in in you know sales and there's unique skills in customer success and and uh yeah if you could, if you could get the combination of that that would be a uh you know wonderful uh account person to have so one question i i really want to ask you about top ops which it caught my eye because it's this is one of my pet peeves if you will is this whole thing about the weighted average forecast i mean i i <laughs> i've spent a lot of breath trying to tell people that you know, it's completely useless for the most point to even submit one of those forecasts. Um, so tell us what you're doing again a little bit about, you know, changing that so that people, you know, aren't getting that traditional thing about, you know, and the example I use in my latest book I talk about is, you know, if there's you and three other competitors competing on a deal and you have in your CRM, you say, okay, well, if we get to the proposal stage, we're at 75% chance of winning. And you all four put in a proposal. You all four don't have a seventy-five percent chance of winning the deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah that that is uh, it. It's definitely a flawed uh, method. And so um, so just some quick things on what we do is that we uh, we show you when you have that risk that uh, you have you know the the major risk on a weighted average forecast is when you have large deals. And you know some smaller deals, mm -hmm. and, and you know one or two of the big ones fall out. And now you're it, it just totally threw off your forecast that you had. And so what we do is we show the risk and the health of your bigger deals. We give you like best case and worst case scenarios, but we also show you the health of those bigger deals. That if they you know if if they're if they're not that healthy, we would uh, definitely exclude that from the uh, forecast. But if they are healthy, if they uh, have reached a certain threshold, then we give you a best case and a worst case so that you can then, you know, some of this you might want to make your own judgment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, but. Um, so uh, how do you, how do you assess the health and how do you create a, st a statistic or a, a measure of the health of an account? Well, there's a number of things that go into it, but I'll tell you like three quick things are the ideal customer profile that we say this, uh, you know, this is a typical deal mm -hmm. that close. Uh, of course, the progress showing, you know, milestones of a rigorous uh, sales process is the, is the preferred way. But however, <clears throat> however, your company measures progress of a deal. So we, we score that. And then the third one is momentum. So uh, there could momentum includes a number of things. Uh, not only the momentum as in the speed of the deal or the velocity, did it get you know did it get slowed up on this stage or milestone? Um, but we um, 
we look at like we I call it the spell check. We look at holes that might be in there. Do, do you have another meeting scheduled? Um, do you you know is there any activity that is again related to you know time, such as you submit a proposal, but there's been no activity in so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can go on and on about these different things, but the, the same questions, the health a lot is related to the questions that a VP or manager will ask their rep and then manually say, okay, I'm going to include that deal or I'm not going to include that deal. So it's like a seasoned manager uh, saying, okay, that's good enough. I'm going to go ahead and include that deal. And maybe I'll give it a little bit of a discount, um, you know, uh, on the, on the top end. Right. So, uh, so those are the kind of things that our system's doing. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it's definitely something people should check out if they want to focus on so the quality of what's happening in their pipeline, increase the predictability of what comes out the, the tail end of the pipeline, uh, check out Top Ops. So we're going to move into the last segment of the show. We do with every guest uh, some rapid-fire questions. Single-word answers would be absolutely perfect. If you want to elaborate a little bit, that's fine, too. But uh, you ready? Yep. Okay, so what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? The the most powerful sales tool that we have, huh? I, that, that you personally have. That I personally have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, so of of my product or of uh, or all the products that I have. Well, it could be of you personally, even. So. Um, I would say a uh, a deep empathy with the customer. Love it. So, who's your sales role model? Uh, let's see. I would say the oh boy, like sorry, it's <laughs> not as quick as I get. So, my sales role model would be. Um, I'll say Jody Maxson. She's our uh, she's our consultant that uh, that's come in. She's done good there. But I also like this Richard Harris that's done a good job for us. So okay. I got, so I know I violated your uh, your rules again. But go ahead. Oh no, that's fine. So what's the one book every salesperson should read? Uh, the Challenger. Challenger sale. What's the f- what's your favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for an important sales call or business meeting? <laughs> I would- uh, let's see. So my my personal favorite song would be, um, um, oh gosh. So yeah, these are. So uh, I would I would say it would have to be a um, uh, we'll we'll have to go back. We'll go old school. Jethro Tull. Oh, you're not the first one to say that, by the way. So that's good. Um, what's the first sales activity that you do every day? Contact a customer. What's your favorite social media tool? LinkedIn. Why? Uh, oh, there's just a... There's a lot of lot of good uh, lot lot of good business. I, you know, that's the one for business. So, what do you do to keep fit and healthy? Uh, I work out at the gym. Lifting weights. Yes. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? If I can if I can help them out with the deal. So. 
when you give you talk you talk at conferences and so on and and you know people you talk about top ops and i saw you speak and give a good talk at a convention or a conference in denver afterwards what do people want to know most about top ops well i think everyone struggles with the forecast and they have the same pressure that i had facing a board so um so that is that is the main uh most of the questions are around that uh secondary to that would be how it can help them accelerate deals and keep them moving through the pipeline and which ones to focus on good answer well good well i want to thank my guest today has been Jim Eberlin, founder and CEO of TopOps. Jim, how can people learn more about TopOps? Uh, definitely go to topops.com. Um, you know, we're, you know, give us a give us a call. Yeah, just come to the website. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. Excellent. So remember, everybody who's listening, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your sales. And I believe that Jim and I helped you with that today. So. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.